Psalm 95. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that what we have not, that you will give to us. And that which we need, you will supply. Open our eyes that we might behold your truth. And as a result of hearing not my word or our words or our thoughts, but hearing your word, we will be more thankful and realize that we have to give you thanks all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated. Psalm 95, and then we'll share a couple other. Psalm 100. I always get amazed when the Lord puts together things, and I didn't talk to Sister Sigurd, and she didn't talk to me. But the Lord, by means of the Holy Spirit, works in mysterious ways. And uh, we don't have to call each other and say, hey, I'm going to be reading Psalm 100. Well, hey, that's what I'm going to be reading too. So it's all good. There is no monopoly on the word of God. Amen. Thanksgiving. Just giving of thanks. In a couple of days, we will celebrate Thanksgiving Day. This tradition dates back to 1621 when the pilgrims celebrated their first harvest in the New World. The first few years that they were here in the New World were difficult years. Many of them had died, but thanks to some help from the Native Americans that were already here, they helped them to be able to know how to plant crops and do some other things so that that year their harvest was a means of celebration. As a result of that, as years passed, the official observance was established when President Lincoln in 1863 initialized the beginning of what we now know as the annual Thanksgiving Day tradition. And from that time onward, it has officially been put on our calendars as an official holiday. So we appreciate President Lincoln and all those for that day because it reminds us of what Thanksgiving really should be about. Now, I enjoy Thanksgiving for a lot of reasons. I enjoy it because as a little boy growing up, I could remember the smell of the turkey in the oven, the cooking of the sweet potatoes and the mashed potatoes and the, and the macaroni and cheese. I'm making you hungry. I know. I'm going to get done quick. And all that, the rolls, and then the tables that were decorated, and, and, and all those goodies. And uh, now we have a tradition, um, the cranberry sauce. And it's for those who like the cranberry out of the can, but then we have some homemade cranberries with all the, the nuts and all that stuff in there. And uh, then there's always pumpkin pie, uh, pecan pie, and apple pie, and all that stuff. So it's really... You know, it's really a day of gluttony. I, you know, in our family, we eat early. So we eat, what, between 12 and 1 at the latest. And, uh, of course, if you eat that early, I mean, 
when I got married, my other half of my family, my wife's family, they they ate later in the day, five or six. So early on in our marriage, I had to figure out. We ate early. We at the time we would go to my mom's house and have Thanksgiving with them at twelve or one, and then we drive to Hillsboro, and I had to force myself to eat again. I had to eat. Because my mother-in-law was doing all this cooking, I could not tell her that I really was stuffed. So I loaded my plate up again until finally one year we decided we can't do this anymore. We have to, you know, I can't handle two meals a day. So we picked one, and thanks be to God, I, I don't have to eat quite as much. So I enjoy that whole tradition. I enjoy the football games. I don't watch them as much as I used to because usually we're talking and cleaning and all that. But Thanksgiving Day is it's just a it's a great time. And then personally. I take Thanksgiving from this time, even to up to and through Christmas, to kind of evaluate the year. But I'll tell you what, no matter what's been going on, God has been good to all of us. In these articles I've been writing, one of the things that one of my things is that no matter what is going on in our country, be it the politics, be it the COVID-19, be it whatever's going on in your life as an individual, the ups, the downs of life. God's been good. How do I know that? Well, I know that this morning because he woke us all up. He started us out on another day's journey. When I woke up early this morning, my eyes rolled back, and I kind of peeked at the clock to see what time it was. Then I looked out the blinds to see, is the sun out? No, it's kind of cloudy out there. But all that is God's goodness and God's grace. And guess what? As of today, so far, he spared all of us from the virus that's been going on. Not that we haven't been around it, not that we could not have gotten it, because we are trying to be safe as we can, but as safe as you can is no guarantee that you will not get it. If you haven't got it as of yet, guess what? That's God's grace and God's mercy and God looking out for us. So yes, our country is in turmoil. Yes, we all hate COVID-19. Yes, we hate masks and we hate the Senate. All that stuff that has become a part of us, we don't like it, but God's been good. Amen? So as I look over this past year, and I talked about it the other, other week, you know, people, oh, this 2020 is the worst year ever. Oh, I hate 2020. I can't wait to 2021. Well, you know what? In spite of all this, 2020 has been a good year. And 2021 does not necessarily guarantee that 21 is going to be better than 20. But whatever we get, one thing I know, God's been good. God is good. And as my brother would say, God is better than good. God is great. Amen. And thanks be to God of his goodness and grace. And in this psalm, Psalm 95, notice what he says. He says here in Psalm 95, he lets us know that, number one, come let us shout joyfully to the Lord. That word come is in the imperative. What's the imperative mean? It's a command. We are to come. We're commanded to come. Amen? What better place to come than into the house of the Lord? Another psalm says, I was glad. I was ecstatic. I was just out of my mind. When they said what? Let us come. Let us go into the house of my Lord. 
It's all about our attitude. Amen? And if you have the right attitude, you have the right aptitude. If you have the right attitude and aptitude, guess what? You'll recognize that you didn't get here by yourself. God's gracious hand has been on you from the time you were born all the way up to this very present moment. It's all about God. It's never about me. It's never about you. It's never about our parents. It's never about our job and our body. It's all because of God. But he says, come, let us what? Shout joyfully to the Lord. I'm not shouting at you. I'm shouting to him. And notice what he says. Shout, come, let us shout how? Joyfully. Amen? Joyful, joyful. Joyfully. Let us be excited. Of all people in the world, we as Christians ought to be the most joyful and excited people. Oh, I get it. We have a lot of things going on in our life. But you know what? If you got the right attitude and mindset, you go, you know what? Yes. I've got bills, I've got sickness, I've got disease, i got this, i got that. And it's many times, with all the things that we keep saying we don't have or that we need, it sometimes overwhelms us. But, but with God, we're going to be able to make it. Amen? So he says, a command. We're commanded. Come. And when you come, shout joyfully. How many here like sports? Football, baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever it is. Golf. Every time I watch golf is when Tiger Woods plays. And the other time, I don't really don't want to, I don't care about golf. But if he's coming around the last round of the, on that Sunday, I might watch it just to see what he's going to do. Otherwise, golf is not a, yeah, watch a little bowl rolling around, mm, bowling. Mm. But you know what? We shout for our teams that play. Back in the day when LeBron was in Cleveland, the land, this man over here, he was ecstatic. The land's been kind of bare lately. They lost the king, LeBron. Now we talk about La La Land, L.A. That's where all the action is now. Amen. And on a Sunday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever night, you're sitting there with the ESPN and all those channels and, and you're watching the basketball game. It's nothing to see any of us, our football games on Sunday. It's nothing to see any of us give a shout when our team, our man, our player does something. We will rise out of our seats. We will raise our hands and we'll say, yes! And a move that they made to score basket. Why do we not have that same enthusiasm when it comes to coming into the house of God? Many times we are so weighed down that we don't feel like we can shout. And not only can we not shout, we kind of think, well, you know, I just kind of want to be, you know, just, you know, we want to be prim and proper. Well, every now and then when you think about God's graciousness and God's goodness, you got to get ugly with Jesus. Ain't nothing about, I mean, every now and then, you know, I know you got your hair did and done and, and all that. But, you know, if you just want to just raise your, now make, if you have a wig on, make sure you don't do this and off it goes. But just praise God. Don't care what people say. Lift up your hands. Stomp your feet. Say amen. He says, come, let us shout joyfully. 
to the Lord. Then not only do we shout joyfully, we shout triumphantly. Amen? We have, the word triumph has the idea of victory. Today some teams will win, today some teams will lose. But no matter what, we are triumphant in, in the Lord. Amen? He says, shout triumphantly to whom? The rock of our salvation. Now, out here on the front lawn, we have a rock. I can remember we put that thing in there. That thing was, it was, it was, we used some mechanical means. We could not get brothers together and lift that baby off the truck and into the, onto the ground. That was an impossibility. But that thing's not going anywhere anytime soon. It will outlast and outlive all of us. That's Jesus. He's the rock of our salvation. He is the foundation of our salvation. He's not going anywhere. He's not moving. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. We can put our weight on him. This rostrum is a byproduct of uh, my pastor who had this made years ago. And he had one similar to this one, a little bit bigger than that. But his hands were so heavy that when he got excited in preaching, he would just slap it. He put a crack on one end of the uh, rostrum, pulpit. So he said, you know what, we need something. This is sturdy. And a lot of the preachers that have come like this because it's wide. You can lay all your stuff out, and you can lean on it, and it ain't going nowhere. Guess what? You can lean on Jesus. He ain't going nowhere. You might leave. You might stray. You might go away, but he never will leave you. If you know him in the free pardon of your sins, and you said yes to him, he is never going to fail you, and he will never leave you. That's why the psalmist could say he is the rock of our salvation. Then he says in verse 2, let us enter. Let us come in again. Let us enter into his presence again with thanksgiving. It's all about thanking him. Let us shout again. Here it is. Shout again. How? Again. Triumphantly. Anytime God repeats, he's, shout, he's talked about shout a couple times, and he's repeated the word triumphantly. He's trying to get us. Shout is an action word. It's something that you have to do. you got to put yourself into it. And triumph is the byproduct of understanding that Jesus is the rock. I can be triumphant. I can have victory. I can be restful. I can be secure because I know in the rock that he is the rock of my salvation. Salvation is rescue. What did Jesus do? He rescued us from sin. We were on our way to hell, but he died for you and I. Yet while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ what? He died. You weren't even thinking about God, and he died for you, and he died for me. He rescued us. We were on our way to hell in a handbasket. No help. No way. There's nothing we could have done to stop it. But Jesus came all the way from the very heights of heaven. Emmanuel, God with us. God came down. Remember we talked about that last week? God came down. God saw where man was. 
And in Philippians it says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And his son gave his life. For who? For us. And you know, I don't even got to tell you. If you be honest with yourself, if you look at the mirror of the word of God and you see yourself, you know how bad you are. Huh? If you read your Bible and you go, if you came in here thinking, you know, I'm not that bad. I really don't do a whole lot that's wrong. I'm really basically a good person. Well, you done thought of yourself more highly than you ought. Because there is no goodness in us apart from the goodness that God gives us the grace and mercy and power to do. He died for you. That shows his great love. And you know how we operate. If you do something wrong to me, unless I'm filled up and got the Holy Spirit really resting, ruling, and reigning in my life, you do something to me, I might be in the back of my mind getting ready to do something back to you. I might say, oh, oh, okay. We're going to roll like that. It may not be today. And it may not be tomorrow. But one of the days is going to come. When the time is right, in the fullness of time, I will get my revenge. God didn't operate like that. He loved us enough that he rescued us. Amen. He rescued us. Next verse. Psalm 100. Verse 4 and 5. Again, what are we told here? We're talking about Thanksgiving. You can't do Thanksgiving without talking about God. Psalm 104 and 5 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And again, enter his courts with praise. Now, here it is. Here it is. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. <laughs> That's why you bless him. That's why you praise him. That's why you shout and do all those things. For the Lord is good. Is he not good? Has he not been good to you? For the Lord is good. And here it is, Sister Penny, his faithful love. Did you catch that? His faithful love endures forever. <laughs> if you don't have that marked in your Bible, you should. The Lord is good. When you're bad, he's good. When you doubt, he keeps giving you the faith to keep on trusting in him. When you question God, he says, okay, I got it. He's going to answer your question. All the things that we do that are opposite of what God is, he continues. It just tells us here, for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. It never ceases. It keeps on going. God loves us. Continually. Amen? I was watching a show the other day. I forget what it was. Oh, it was a movie, a TV show we were watching. And somebody asked the question, well, if, if God's such a God of love, you know, they, they were saying that sarcastically. If God is a, such a God of love, why is there so much disease and, and all these things? Why do we have COVID-19? And why are, are little babies sick in the hospital and dying of leukemia and dying of cancer? Why are people poor? Why, are, why do we have a homeless group of people out, out on the edge of town, two groups of people living with no shelter, no water, no nothing? How, if God is so good, then why is all that happening? I have an answer for that. 
It's the sinfulness of man. Man's sinfulness creates a lot of the problems that we have in this world. Like, like, let me say this. I'm not opposed to exploring outer space. I think, you know, a lot of things, good things came out of the space program. But I would ask the question. We're getting ready to spend, supposedly, billions of dollars trying to get to Mars. Not thousands or hundreds, billions with an S. And yet, we can't educate our kids. We can't pay our teachers a decent salary. We can't fix our streets. We got a bridge down in Cincinnati that probably should be replaced, but we're getting ready to patch it up and you can go to Kentucky and drive over the Prince, Prince Bridge, just say a prayer. Because <laughs> I say it every time I used to drive across that thing. I'm like, you know what, Jesus, I'm looking at, I'm like, this thing is old. There's some problems here. Keep us safe. Keep everybody safe. We're spending billions of dollars to do a lot of stuff. Why not spend some of that billions to help the homeless? Huh? We as a society, or we're going to be judged by how we handle the poor and how we handle the young and how we handle our senior citizens. So how do you know that? Well, Jesus on one occasion said, listen, they were asking him the question, when did we ever see you hungry or naked or thirsty? Jesus says, well, it's really simple. When you see it among the least of these, my brothers, my fellow mankind, you seen, you've done it to me. When you don't take care of the need of those that are out there that are less fortunate, and we don't get into, here's, what, here's our problem as a culture and society. We want to get into, well, you know why they're out there. Why are they out there? They're on drugs. They got all this, they're having babies out of wedlock. I mean, we go through all that stuff. The bottom line is they have a need. Don't care how they got there. They have a need. We, and of all people at the church, we ought to be responding to that to the best of our ability. Not just this church, but all churches. Jesus says, whosoever will, the, the, the poor, the stinky, the, the ones that don't dress right, the ones that got their hair all matted, the ones that just, whatever, those are the people God is interested in. Why? Because any one of us can dress up and look nice on the outside, but in our heart, we are really messed up. Jesus said, for out of the heart, for who you really are, not the thing that beats in your chest, the real you. For out of the heart proceed the issues of life. And we as a people, we as a, our heart's not right. When we're spending, and I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not opposed to that, but when we have other needs of trying to reach people that are less fortunate than us, I don't care that they, some of those people out there, yes, they should work, and they don't want to work, they don't care to work, but in spite of that, you know why I'm like that? Because that's how we are with God. Before we got saved, we could care less about God. We didn't want to have anything to do with God. We didn't want anything to do about the people of God. We didn't want to come to church. We, that wasn't even on our radar. We could care less about the things of God and still 
God's steadfast love pursued us and saved us. And as we grow in him, we learn more from his Bible, then we can correct the issues in our life. Now, he did that for us. We need to do that same type of love. God doesn't love us because you look nice. God doesn't look, love us because we live in a certain neighborhood, have enough money in the bank. That's not how, that's not how God works. God says, okay, if you got all that and more, you're still a sinner. Need to be saved. And that's why in this psalm, he, he talks about entering his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I'll be able to raise my hand every time I come into the house and bless his name because I know from last Lord's Day to the day from last Sunday to this Sunday, God's been blessing me. Food on my table, clothes on my back. Old timers would say a reasonable portion of health and strength. I got a car to drive. I pray for my car all the time. That doesn't break down because I can't afford to get it fixed. But I'm playing. I'm thankful. And if I, it breaks down and I have to walk, so be it. It'd be better for me anyway. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness. Amen. One time I was asked the question, why is it that we bless our food? Oh, I assume we bless our food at every meal. Give thanks to God. I mean, you're going to go home. You're going to go home, and if you don't cook others, something's going to be provided for you. Even when you bow and sit at the table, the typical thing to, to do, and I'm not assuming everybody does this, but we do. I have grew up like that. My mom, you know, we thank you, Father, we thank you for this food we're about to receive for the nourishment of our body. For Christ's sake, amen. Amen. That's what we said. Lord, thank you for the food. And every now and then, I remember just being cute, over the lips, down the gums. Look out, tummy, here it comes. <laughs> that's not a prayer. That's just being, you know, cute or silly. Thank you, Sister Lynn. But bless the food. You know where that comes from? I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Why should you bless your food? Here it is, John 6, 11. Got some things my mom would really appreciate. Then Jesus took the loaves, John 6, 11. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving things, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with fish, as much as they wanted. The miracle of feeding the 5,000. Before he dispensed with the fish and the bread, he prayed. He gave, what does it say here? He gave thanks. That's why before you eat, you should give thanks. I know you're in a rush in the morning, you get up, you drink your coffee, you're on the way out, you, you know, gobble down or put down some coffee and maybe a bowl of cereal or something. Just, But even at that, take the time to say, Father, thank you for what I'm about ready to receive. I don't know, however you want to phrase it, I don't care. That's not the, the point is not what you say. The point is simply to do it. Because there's too many people in the world today that don't have food on their table. Amen? And it's only, it slows us down. We're in such a rush. Going nowhere. Jesus took the time. And he was God. And if God could take time to give thanks, 
cannot you and I take the time to give thanks? I mean, that just makes sense, doesn't it? He's our example. Well, wait a minute. Why should I give thanks for the food I'm about ready to eat? Because Jesus did it. Amen? Last verse I want to talk about, and I'll be, I'll be done. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Well, I got one more. I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in everything. Why? Why do I give thanks in everything? Well, Pastor, some of the stuff that's going on, I don't like. There's things in my life that's not good. Why would I want to give thanks for that? Well, because the Bible says give thanks in everything. Can I give thanks in the midst of a pandemic? Yes. Can I give thanks in the midst of turmoil in my personal life? My husband, my wife, my whoever, we're all fighting and fussing and feuding. And there's days I love them, and then other days I don't love them. But you know what? I'm supposed to give thanks for it. Yes, buddy. Give thanks in everything. My students at Wilmington College are just going nuts. They're just acting. Every now and then they just lose their minds. Give thanks. You don't understand. That's difficult. No. Bible says, give thanks. Amen? You know, there's times you act nuts. And yet, God gives thanks for us by providing his son. It says, give thanks in everything. Why? For this is God's will. You need no other reason to give thanks other than it's the will of God. Amen? This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you're commanded. The will of God is that you and I give thanks continually, every day, every moment. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the rain that's falling outside. I really don't think it's going to be cold, a little cooler, and I'm going to get wet, but thank you. You know what I need. You know what we need. It all works out. The rain we get now, the snow we get later, by springtime, it all falls together, and then God allows us to have green grass and crops and food and all that. It feeds the animals, it waters the whatever. It all works out. Amen? And then last but not least, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. To sum it all up, give thanks at all times. God's steadfast love, God's provision, God's plan, having an attitude and mind of thanksgiving. Romans 8.28 says, and this is what you need, to, you need to highlight this in your Bible. We know. Not that we guess. Not that we think. We know. We know what? That all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You got to know that. Not, well, no. Get it in your mind. And this heart and mind that you know. Put your name there. Byron, know that all things work together for the good. What seems bad, God will take to make good. I'm here, Joseph. Your brother sold you in slavery. They got tired of you. They got tired of daddy giving you the coat 
the coat of many colors. Why is he the favorite? Why does he get a coat? Because that's what God desired. He could have probably did a better job in how he did it, but it is what it is. Brothers got tired of hearing him. Got, hear, got tired of hearing Joseph talk about his dreams. We don't want to hear about that. We're tired of hearing about your dreams. We don't care about your dreams. We don't care about your coat. We don't care about, we're, we're tired of this. We're going to throw you in slavery. We're going to sell you off. Send you down somewhere, but anywhere but here. And they did. Throw them in a pit. Along comes another band of people. Take them out. Put them in slavery. And it wasn't by chance that the people who picked them up were the Egyptians. He found himself in Egypt. And starting out, he was in a, in a bad situation. And because he could interpret dreams, he eventually rose up. And he gets to be the next of Pharaoh. And he had a plan. He said, you know what? There's going to be a famine coming here. Let's start putting some food aside. Let's build the pyramids. Nobody can even, we can't even duplicate that today. With all of our advances and measurements and technology and computers, they didn't have all that then. Man cannot do what they did in building the pyramids today. If we had to build, we, we can't do it. That's amazing to me. We have done a lot of things, but we can't do, and they didn't have all the advances we had. We can't duplicate that. They stored all the food, and not by chance, there was a famine in the land. Okay, Abraham, you got to go. Where am I going? I won't tell you where to go. He sends his sons down. The sons find out that they didn't know immediately, oh, we can come here? Sure. Come on. And then eventually Joseph reveals himself. Oh, by the way, I'm not just an Egyptian. I am your brother. The one you sold in slavery. And then they started crying. Oh, Joseph, we're so sorry. We, we didn't mean it. We said, no, 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 no. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. You know what he said? You meant it for evil. You did this to me because you were trying to get back at me. But my God, the God who sits high and looks low, the God of our father, he saw it, and what you meant for evil, God turned it for good. That's what Romans 8, 28 is all about. We know all things. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. God knows. And you need to know that since God knows, all things work together. Whatever bad things are happening in your life right now, God can take that bad and make it good. Okay? People fighting, fussing, feuding in your house, guess what? Pray about it. And God can take all of that, turn it around, so that at the end of the process, here's what you're going to learn. Oh, there was a time in my life we were fighting and fussing and feuding and doing all kind of crazy stuff. But you know what? God changed all that. And now I understand. And now I have a greater appreciation for what it means to love one another. Oh, it was bad going through it. 
But on the backside, the lesson I learned is it takes more to love somebody than it really does to hate somebody. Amen? How do you love somebody that's unlovable? You can only do it with God's help. That's why a lot of marriages and relationships fall apart, fall apart because you've got to learn to love him or her or them, family members, whoever, even when they aren't lovable. You've got to take it warts and all. And that's not an easy thing to do. Because we think, well, who, why, why, why should I put up with, our pride rises up. Why should I put up with that? I can go, oh, no, no, no. The grass is always greener on the other side. And you know what somebody told me? Also over there, they have brown patches. Amen. My yard is a classic example. Most of it is green and lush and looks beautiful. But in the last month and a half, I step out of my back door, and it's all there's a path of brownness and deadness and everything else. Goes over towards the trash cans, goes straight back to the telephone pole. That's our path where we take Tyson in and out and go wherever. And, I, and I, I'm looking at I told David came down the other day, and I'm like, what I don't know what, everything else is green but here. What happened? Brown patches. God majors on taking the brown patches of our life. And if I put some stuff down now, and in the first of the spring, guess what could happen? What was once brown will become green again. That's what God does. He takes the brown patches of your life and says, you know what? I can make it better if you simply trust me. So why would I give thanks to God? Because God is good. God is great all the time. And what Romans 8.28 says, we know all things work together for the good. For good. And especially for those who love God. That word love, love God, put him first. And then if you love God and put him first, and then he says, who are called according to his purpose. You got to be his child. There is common grace, and then there's special grace. Common grace is for, for everybody in the world. Everybody's going to be touched by the rain that's happening outside. Everybody's touched by the sun that shines outside. Everybody's blessed by the crops that grow. Everybody's blessed because they get up. And, that's God's common grace. But all thanks be to God that when you become his child, daddy, father, blesses you with special grace. He looks at you. See, I have three kids. I like kids. But I only have three. Those three are the ones that get the blessings because I'm their father. And every now and then I can share with somebody else's child. But I'm under no commandment to do that. I do that freely because I want to do it. But the three that I got, oh, those are mine. And if I want to lavish on them, I can lavish on them. That's what God does to us. 
He shares his blessings. He shares his common grace with everybody. But every now and then, he says, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're, that's, he's, that's my child. They're in trouble. Let me come on down there and rescue them. Let me shower them with showers of blessings. Blessings that we cannot believe. Why would he give us more than, than the average person? Because we're his child. That's what Paul says there in Romans 8, 28. To those who are called, we can thank God for whatever's happening because we are called by God and God will see us through. So this Thanksgiving, you know what you can do? Take the time when you sit down at the table with whomever and say, you know what? We're going to take time to give thanks to God. In the midst of our troubles and strife, God's been good. Bow your head and say, Lord, we thank you. How we do it. Amen? Because God, we have a lot to be thankful for. Thanks in thanksgiving. Amen?